This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlul uqdata min lisani yafqahu qawli. This is a very, very... Uh, often misunderstood topic, an extremely important topic. Now, before I get too deep into the definitions of um, what what I term as unhealthy attachments, uh, the reason why I say unhealthy attachments is that in in psychology right now and in in a lot of the research, they talk about attachments. And so uh, attachments aren't necessarily in the body of, of, of research and, and in the lexicon of psychology isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, but the way that I'm using it, it is a negative thing, and that's why I'm going to call them unhealthy attachments. Um, and then the, 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 the definitions of love, true love, um, you know, we'll, we'll use that terminology uh, for that. And before I get too much into that terminology, I want to talk a little bit uh, briefly, of course, because this is, this is all a very accelerated um, course, I would say is briefly about the nature of the heart. So the heart in in the Quran is referred to as qalb. And there are other words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses, um, like sadr, which is the chest, uh, which which is around the heart, um, fu'ad. So there are other words, but the the, the heart itself is, is referred to as qalb. And qalb actually comes from the root word in Arabic that means to turn. And the reason for that is that the heart by nature is something that turns. It's something that can easily turn one way or the other. This is why the Prophet ﷺ used to ask, Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala dinik. O turner of that which turns, which is the heart, keep my heart firm on your deen or your way. Uh, and, and we know that that we should never become um, complacent even about our iman because there's a there's a there's a um, a narration that tells us that a person can wake up in the morning as a believer and by the evening they're a disbeliever and a person can um you know be uh, you know wake up as a as a disbeliever and by the evening um, or, or rather the other way around, go to sleep as a disbeliever, wake up as a believer, um, or, or vice versa, that, that this turning of, of the heart is something that can happen very rapidly, where uh, one part of the day you're a believer, by the end of the day you're a disbeliever. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So the heart is, is essential that we take care of it. It's essential that we protect it. Now, why is the heart so important? The Prophet ﷺ said in a, in a longer hadith, at the end of the hadith, after talking about haram and halal and mutashabihat, which are the doubtful matters, the Prophet ﷺ goes on to say, إِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ مُدْغَى إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسُدُ كُلُّ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسُدُ كُلُّ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ Indeed, in the body, there's a lump of flesh. And if that lump of flesh is set right, then the entire body will be set right. And if that lump of flesh is corrupted, then verily the entire body will be corrupted. And, and uh, ala, verily, it is the heart. So here we learn that, you know, a lot of people believe or under are are under the impression that their mind is in control, right? Like, you know, there's this idea of like, you know, my mind controls my heart, right? But in fact, if you look 
uh, spiritually. And if you look in the text, it is the heart that controls everything. It is the heart that controls the body and it is the heart that controls the mind. What does that mean? It means that the type of heart that you have, if you have a healthy heart, if it is set right, then the entire body becomes set right. So if, you, if you're a person who has a healthy heart, then the rest of your actions will follow as generally healthy. If, you have a per, if you're a person who has an unhealthy heart, if there's facade in that heart, if there's corruption in that heart, and we know that there are two types of unhealthy hearts that we're, that we're taught about. One is the heart that is, that is sick. It, it has sickness in it, but it has some life still in it, some health in it uh, still. And then at the other extreme, and the most extreme, is a dead heart. These are hearts that, the, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in the Qur'an um, are so hard that they're, he, he compares them to rocks. And then he says, um, and this is in Surah Al-Baqarah, or they're even more hard than rocks. Why? Because a rock can at least be split open, right? You know, it, it, it can crack. Whereas these dead hearts that are so hardened, they cannot even be open at all. And so they're even harder. They're even more, uh, you know, dead than a, than a stone, than a rock. And then we have the healthy heart. Now the healthy heart, as the Prophet ﷺ talks about here, um, this is a heart that has been, rectified has been that there has been effort put in to take care of this heart there has been effort put in to clean that heart to purify that heart and then to protect that heart these are you know and these are essential um ingredients that are necessary for a heart to, to remain to become healthy and to remain healthy a a healthy heart is referred to in the quran as um Salim. So um, the, the healthy heart is referred to in the Quran as Qalbun Salim, a sound heart. And uh, this is um, in the Quran on the tongue of Ibrahim alayhi salam. There's this beautiful extended dua in which Ibrahim alayhi salam calls out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he says, and do not disgrace me on the day when everyone is brought back. The day when nothing will benefit anyone of wealth, nothing of wealth or children, nothing is going to benefit them. Um, wealth and children, except for the one who returns back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a heart that is salim, with a heart that is healthy, with a heart that is sound, with a heart that is, is alive and healthy. And so what do we learn from, from these various narrations? And this is, of course, a summary. What we learn is that, number one, the heart is the master of the body. The heart controls the rest of the individual. The heart is, is the, is the, um, the master or the, or the powerhouse. And it then affects the rest of that human being. And, and, and then we can go on as, as far as to say that the heart, if the heart is sick, then the rest of that human being will be sick. And then the rest of that human's actions will be sick. And then the, 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 the effect on society will be sickness. And so we, we, we find that it's essential 
to work on the heart because the heart is that part that controls the rest of the human being and then eventually obviously the society and the relationships etc we also learn that that the only thing that's going to benefit us on the day of judgment is if we have a healthy heart if we do not everything else that we have collected and everything else that we've amassed you know as allah says um that, that nothing will benefit them of wealth or children. These are the types of things, and especially in the society that um, of the Prophet these were um, symbols of power, right? If you had wealth and you had children, these were these. This is basically what was was a meant that that person was powerful. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us here that none of that will benefit anyone. The only thing that will matter is whether or not you return back to Allah with a heart that's healthy, with a heart that's sound. Now let me move in to what does that heart look like? What is um what is qalbun salim and 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 how can we understand what what are the the characteristics of that type of heart? Well, one way to understand qalbun salim is to understand it as a heart that does not have any competitor with Allah within it. A heart that does not have any competitor with Allah within it. Now I say this because sometimes people get confused. You know, if you say, for example, um, you know, nobody has my, nobody is in my heart but Allah. If you say something like that, um, you know, people can become very confused and they start to ask like, well, wait a minute, does that mean I'm not allowed to love my children? Does that mean I'm not allowed to love my husband, my parents? And, and I don't want there to be any confusion. And so why, the reason that I want to put it this way so that we understand it's not about love of other things. It's not about loving our parents, loving our children, loving our spouse. It's about, is this love a competitor with the love of God? Does this love become a, 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 a rival with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within the heart? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this in Surah Al-Baqarah when he says, that there are human beings, there are people who take rivals with Allah. And that means a rival with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how is it that they're taking this rival with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Usually when we think about rival with Allah, we think about shirk. And when we think about shirk, we typically think about a, uh, like a stone statue, an idol uh, a sto made of stone that we worship, right? But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is clarifying that this ended, this that these ended, it's plural, these idols, these rivals with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are actually in love. Allah says that they love them as they should only love God. So there are people who take rivals with Allah, they love them as they should only love Allah or God. So the rivalry here, this competition within the heart is a competition of love. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing here in this ayah. Um, and then he goes on to say that, This is very important. Allah is describing the believers as being those who their strongest, most intense love is for Allah. This is absolutely the basis and foundation of everything we're going to talk about, of every single thing we're going to talk about here today. And that is when we talk about love, 
when we talk about false attachments or unhealthy attachments, it has to be understood that the ashaddu hub, that the most intense love has to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And only when our most intense love is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will we have the capacity to love the creation in a healthy way. This is probably the take-home message. If there's anything that we take home from our time today, it's this, that only when we, um, only when we make Allah our most um, intense love, only when our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supersedes and, and, and um, it, you know, it takes all, it, 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 it overcomes and it is superior to any other love, only then will we have the capacity to love the creation in a healthy, beautiful way. And I'll talk about what it looks like when it is not healthy and how that actually becomes harmful, not only for the individual who harbors that, that, comp that, that um, competing love, but it also becomes harmful to the object of love. So you actually hurt the one that you love in an unhealthy way as well as yourself, right? When the foundation is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when the greatest love in the heart is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, Qalbun Salim is not only a heart that has um, its greatest love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but again, we mentioned that Qalbun Salim is a heart that does not have any competitor with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a competitor can be in other things as well. We might say, I love Allah most, and, and it might be true. Maybe our greatest love is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beyond anything else, but we might fear something else as we should only fear Allah. We might um, put our dependence on something else as we should only put our dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We might put our hope in something else as we should only put our hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a much deeper and vast statement than only about the love. Now I began with love because there's another principle um, that we can understand about love and that is that whatever you love most becomes your master, okay? So if you wanna know um, what you are a slave to. And by the way, let's clarify, everyone is a slave to something. Everyone is a slave to something. Uh, the atheist is a slave, just as the agnostic, just as the, the, the Christian, the Jew, the Buddhist, uh, and the Hindu. Every individual is a slave to something. The only difference is that different people enslave themselves to different things, okay? And I'll talk about some of the things that we enslave ourselves to when talking about false attachments. But, but generally, this principle is that whatever you love most becomes your master. So you become a slave to whatever it is that you love most. Now, um, when we look now at the concept of of having our greatest love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our greatest hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our greatest dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's take a look at what the false attachments look like or what happens when we have these false attachments. So I want you to think about the heart like a vessel, all right? So like a, like a cup. And um, it can hold, it, it, it holds like a certain amount of stuff, right? And I want you to think about the heart as having various layers, 
All right. Now I want to talk specifically right now about the core of the heart. Now I want you to think about the core of the heart. Um, this is the lub, all right? The lub, which is the most innermost part of the qalb. Now the lub, or the most innermost part of the qalb, that is what we will explain as the seat of worship. Whatever is in the innermost core of the heart is your ilah. And now I've just given another very important term. You've heard this word before, you probably say it many times a day, in the shahada. You say, la ilaha illallah. Now, when you're saying la ilaha illallah, you're saying a very, very profound statement. And a lot of us don't actually understand the implications and the depth of this statement. Literally, when you're saying la ilaha illallah, you are saying there is nothing worthy of being an ilah except for Allah. That's what you've said. You've said there is no ilah. There is nothing um, worthy of being an ilah except for God, except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we have to talk about the meaning of ilah. What is an ilah? When we say there's nothing else that can be an ilah but God, what are we really saying? Ilah, <coughs> ilah, is not only that thing you pray to. Ilah is also that which you put at the core of your heart. Ilah is what you put at the, at the core of your qalb. Therefore, your money can be an ilah. And for many people, money is an ilah. Money is something that they put at the core of their hearts. They love it more than any other thing. They fear losing it more than any other thing. They put their dependence on it more than any other thing. They put their hope in it more than any other thing. And that makes it an ilah. It's actually as if they're worshiping their money. And that thing that you put at the core of your heart, as I mentioned, you become a slave to it. And so such people who, who, who I describe as their greatest love is for money, their greatest hope is in money, their greatest dependence is in money, their greatest fear is of losing money, they become slaves to money. And that is the reason why you'll find that there are people out there who will do anything for money. That's because they've become slaves to it. Whatever will give them money, they'll do it. And it doesn't matter if it involves killing. It doesn't matter if it involves stealing. It doesn't matter if it involves going and occupying other countries, bombing and, and, and raping, that, that this is because it becomes a, a, a master for these people. It is an, an ob, you become a slave to it. And that's because you've put it at the core of your heart. And you will find that when any, Anytime someone puts an ilah in the core of their heart, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person will by definition, listen carefully, that person will by definition act unjustly. So anytime, I'm going to repeat that because it's very important. Anytime a person puts something at the core of their heart, other than God, that person person will by definition act unjustly. And that is because the heart becomes corrupted 
when it is filled at the core with other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now again, I'm speaking about the core because it doesn't mean that we cannot love other things. It means that the core, which is saved for worship, which is saved for your ilah, can only be for God. And if anything else is put there, it will cause destruction in that heart and it will cause oppression in the action of that individual. Now, I'll give you another example. A person who has power at the core of their heart will act unjustly because they will do anything for power. A person who has another individual, another human being at the core of their heart will act unjustly. And let me give you an example of that. This is something that a lot of, especially us women, we are often not taught that there is a right and a wrong way to love people. A person can be at the core of your heart and that person can be a competitor with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, and this is the first one I'm gonna begin with because this becomes one of the greatest trials, especially for women. And that is our own children. When a woman becomes a mother or a man becomes a father, that child becomes one of the greatest tests for that human being. And that is why if you look in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lists two things as being a great test or a fitna, and that is wealth and children. And we also find that, that Ibrahim alayhi salam, what was he tested in? He was tested in his, in his child, in his son. So we find that actually one of the greatest tests for a mother or a parent generally is their own child. And unfortunately, we live in a society, and I'll say that this is very much emphasized in certain cultures uh, especially, is that as soon as you have a child, especially uh, women, when a woman has a child, all of a sudden there is the internal fitra, right? which already is extreme rahma, extreme mercy for that child. It's the greatest show of mercy we have uh, on this earth, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the source of that mercy. But this is the mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in the hadith, that the mercy of a mother for her child, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the source of that mercy and Allah's mercy is greater than a mother for her child. But this is the, the greatest, uh, deepest form of, of human mercy, right? And so that mercy already makes that, that the, the test of our children there, right? Because there's already that fitra. But then you add to that, there's a, there's a lot of cultural teachings as well, where there's this idea that um, as soon as you have a child, as soon as you become a mother, you are now nothing else, right? Or nothing else really matters uh, quite as much, that the rest of your identity kind of falls away because now you're a mother. And now we're almost taught to take our children and, 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 and culturally, it's typically take our son, right? If we have a son and, and there's, this, there's this idea that we take our son and we put him at the center of our existence. And then we start to revolve our life around that child, right? Everything becomes about that boy. Typically, it's typically with our with our sons, and this is, of course, much more so in 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 some cultures more than others. But we see this 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 very unhealthy attachment to our sons or our children generally, and and that 
is something that causes a lot of problems. Now, I mentioned that when you put something else at the core of your heart, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, two things will happen. One is that you damage your own heart. And the second is that you actually cause harm to the object itself. So you're actually doing two types of harm, harm to your own self, to your own heart, and then also harm to that other individual. Now, in this case, I want you to think about the heart as, as I said, it's a vessel. Now, imagine that you think of the heart like a gas tank, all right? So I use this example in my class where if you take your car to the gas station and now you decide, okay, I'm empty and so I need to fill up with gas, right? Some people call it petrol, whatever you want to call it. The thing you put in your gas tank, right? So you go there and you realize that day that gas is super expensive. And so, you know, orange juice is on sale. So you decide, okay, I'm going to take the orange juice and I'm going to put that in my gas tank instead of the, instead of the gas. Now what happens? Well, you've just put orange juice in a vessel that was only created to hold gasoline right? This vessel, this, this creation, right? This is a creation. This, we, you know, a manufacturer made this car, right? So you've just taken this vessel that was manufactured to only hold gasoline and you've put orange juice in it. Now you tell me what happens to that car. Well, that car is broken now. You've destroyed the car and you've destroyed the gas tank. This is exactly what happens to us when we put other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the gas tank of our hearts, when we put our children in the core of our hearts, when we put our money, when we put power, when we put image or status or what other people think, let, let, me, let me talk a little bit about what that looks like. When we worship other people's opinions, what does that look like? Well, when, when I have in the core of my heart, the most important thing to me is that I appear a certain way to other people, that, that the most important thing to me is how other people view me, how other people view me and my family and my children. And then I, I'm essentially become obsessed with my image. Right. And now we have, of course, social media, which is a platform to to sort of to sort of like put that image on display. Of course, the the Photoshop version. Right. Like we have we have a Photoshop version of our lives that we put out there. We have a Photoshopped version, a filtered version of our marriage or of our children or of our lives. Right. We want to. To, to get a specific type of image across. And, and of course, that image is that we're perfect, our children are perfect, our relationships are perfect, our husband is perfect, our marriage is perfect, our life is perfect, right? We're having lots and lots of fun. We're very productive right now that we're on lockdown. Different, you know, that, that we have certain images that we want to portray, you know? And there's this filtered version that we put out there. Why? Uh, oftentimes it's because we're very, very concerned about our image. We're very concerned about, about what people think, about what people will say about us. This is so deep that sometimes a person will actually subject themselves. Listen to this. Some people will actually subject themselves and their own children to abuse just so that other people won't say, they got divorced. Listen to that carefully. 
that, that, that we're so obsessed, that we worship other people's opinions of us, that we worship what other people think so much that we are willing to stay even in an abusive relationship just so that people will not say, she got divorced or he got divorced or my daughter got divorced. And I have cases from all over the world of this type of thing where even if a woman is abused, she will even go to her family and her own family will tell her, have sabr, sister, right? And, and by the way, sabr does not mean allowing yourself to be abused. Sabr does not mean being passive. Sabr does not mean you slap me on this cheek, I turn my cheek so you can more easily slap me on this cheek. That's not the meaning of sabr. And we have for too long abused the concept of sabr to keep people victimized, to keep people down. That's not what Allah and his messenger have taught us. We are abusing the religion and we're doing it to control people and to control the image that we want to portray to others. We need to stop doing that. But that happens when we worship the opinion of others, when we literally worship our image. I have to appear to be the perfect family. I have to be up here to be the perfect wife and the perfect mother. And, 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 and I even have to have the perfect skin, right? And if I don't, you have a filter, you know, to make it look perfect. You know, we, we live in a world of, 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 of Photoshopping everything, right? You see images of people on magazines. That's not really what they look like because they're Photoshopped. Everything is Photoshopped. And unfortunately, we live in a very Instagram, you know, type of world where everything is about how you appear and you have to appear perfect. You have to be perfect and you have to look perfect and you have to keep up this facade of being perfect. Now, the problem here is that you've made your, your focal point something other than Allah. You're, you're worshiping your image. You're worshiping the opinion of others. And when you do that, you are oppressing yourself and then you are oppressing others. And this is exactly what I, I, I want us to understand, that when we put something else at the core of our heart, these are called unhealthy attachments. When we put something else at the core of our heart other than Allah, and we worship it, and we love it as we should only love Allah, sometimes this is fashion, you know what I mean? Like some of us, we, we, we might worship fashion. Like fashion says, okay, now it's in fashion to, to dress like this, so we hear and we obey. Then fashion tomorrow changes and says, well, actually, we changed our mind. Now fashion is saying this, that we have to wear this. And then we just go along. We hear and we obey. It's like we're, 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 we're slaves to fashion. And if it's something that is completely inappropriate or it's something that goes against the Quran and the Sunnah, but we follow it because we're worshiping fashion. Again, because we've made fashion at the, at the core of our hearts, looking a certain way. And, and sometimes what we can do is that when we are so worried about how we appear, um, it can become a competitor with the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'll give you a few examples. When, when money is at the core of the heart, and then on the one hand, you have this opportunity to get more money using riba or getting involved in riba or selling alcohol right? So now you have this opportunity to get more money, right? But it involves something that is forbidden. And then you have on this hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, but it's forbidden, 
right? Um, maybe we love the image of having a really giant house so everyone can look at our house and say, wow, look at that. Or we want the brand new car that we can't afford, uh, but we want people to say, wow, you know, like that's, that's a really nice, that's a sweet ride, you know? And we don't have the money for it, but there's this, but there's opportunity to, to do it with riba. So now we're faced with a choice, right? On the one hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spoken about riba in the Quran in a way he has spoken about nothing else. He, he has said that the people who do not give up riba, let them prepare for a war waged against them by God and his messenger. That is really strong terminology. And yet we so easily involve ourselves in riba. Why? Because we worship what people think, because we worship image, we worship status symbols. And that becomes even more important than the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so in essence, we start to see what is it really at the core of our hearts? Is it Allah? If it is Allah, then when Allah makes a command, we are told in the Quran that the people who really have Allah there at the core of their hearts, when a command is made, we hear and we obey, right? But if we have something else there, we're not able to hear the command of Allah and we hear and we obey. And we see this in something else as well. And sometimes that happens with hijab is that we live in a society that's all about look a certain way, you know, look your best, um, appearances, 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 right? This Instagram culture where everything is about how you look, right? How you appear. And so we start to almost worship that. We start to make that our focal point, right? And now when our appearance becomes our focal point, when it becomes our obsession, when it becomes one of the most important things to us, and then Allah comes and says, cover it up, it becomes a struggle. It becomes very difficult. And a lot of that has to do internally with what is at our core. What is most important to us? Is it being beautiful to society or is it being beautiful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Right. So we find that when we have something else at the core, when we put orange juice in the gas tank, we are not able to, as I said, you know, be just. We are not able to to love Allah and obey Allah as we are commanded to love him and obey him. We are not able to fear Allah as we were told to fear him because something else is there and there isn't space for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his commandments. The other thing that happens is this, and this is something that leads me to the concept of, of, of loving in the right way and how when we don't love in the right way, when we have other things at our core, it shatters the heart. When you put orange juice in the gas tank, you are destroying that car. You are destroying that tank. Similarly, when we have put other things at our core, we shatter our own hearts. We break the human being. That is actually the reason at a core level why a human being breaks. Don't think that it's hardships that break a human being. Hardships don't break a human being. What breaks a human being is loving anything as you should only love Allah. Fearing anything as you should only fear Allah. 
putting your hope and trust in anything as you should only put your hope and trust in Allah, depending on anything as you should only depend on Allah. That is what breaks the human being. That is what breaks the heart of the human being. That's what breaks the psyche of the human being. It is not our hardships because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if Allah holds you up, if Allah is at your core, if a person has a healthy heart, Allah will enable that person to with, withstand the hardest of afflictions. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold that person up. And I have met individuals who have been through calamities and afflictions that would make your hair grow white. And yet they were able to get through it and not just survive it, but thrive inside of it. To be able to grow stronger in it. To be able to still live and live you know, thriving. And that can only happen when Allah is at the core. And when Allah is at the core, that heart becomes like something amazing, right? That heart becomes so resilient that it can withstand the fire of life, the storms of life. You know, I use this analogy of the sequoias. This is like these sequoias, this is a type of tree which is so resilient that it's almost like, like fireproof. Like it, it's, resi it's, it's resistant to fire. And I was just like amazed when I found out that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created the sequoia like that, right? And I realized that the heart of the believer can be like a sequoia, that the heart of the believer can actually be resistant to fire. Now that doesn't mean that we don't feel pain. It doesn't mean we don't feel sadness. In fact, these are normal human emotions or things that, that prophets felt, right? Sadness, we know that Yaqub felt, we know that the Prophet had the year of sadness. This is normal, but I'm not talking about normal emotion. I'm talking about being broken. I'm saying that, no, that, that, the, that, the, that the heart that is healthy, سليم, a heart that has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supreme inside of it will be able to withstand the most harshest of fires, the most harshest of storms in this life because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that person's strength. Allah holds that person up. And if Allah holds someone up, then that person can never fall. That person will not, and when I say can never fall, and when I, I want to again clarify, it doesn't mean that person doesn't falter. It doesn't mean that person becomes perfect. It doesn't mean that person will not commit sins. That's not what I mean. I mean that person will not be destroyed. That person may fall, and that person may cry, and that person will go through pain, and that person will go through fear, perhaps, but that person will not become broken and destroyed because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will hold that person up and will allow that person to withstand the fire of their hardships. And now, and inshallah, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, that fire that that person goes through actually ends up purifying that person, actually ends up strengthening that person rather than destroying that person. And that is absolutely amazing. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, talks about in the Quran when he says, amanu, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he sends afflictions. And the reason, one of the reasons he sends afflictions is in order to purify, tamhis, purify those who believe. And when you talk about this word tamhis, it's literally the same word that's used for the, 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 the burning or the heating of gold. And when you heat up gold, you remove the impurities from gold. It's a process that gold goes through to become pure, 
right? And Allah puts the hearts of believers, Allah puts believers through that same process of purification and tamhis, but it involves that fire. It involves the fire of affliction. But, and here again, here is the difference. Here is the difference. When a heart is salim, when a heart is healthy, when a heart has tawheed inside of it, when a heart has Allah supreme, not their money, not their power, not their image, not what other people think, not um, you know fashion or society standards, not their culture. A lot of people worship their culture. Their culture is at the core of their heart. You know, Allah and his messenger can say one thing, but culture says another. We hear and we obey our culture, right? Our forefathers, right? But our forefathers did it like this, just like Quraysh said, right? But our forefathers did it this way. And so when a heart is is has Allah at the center, has Allah at the core, rather than these other things. Not another person, you know, even if it's your own child, even if it's your own spouse, the, there's a healthy and an unhealthy way to love. And the only way to love in a healthy way is to have Allah at the core, and then we can love in a healthy way. And so if a heart has Allah at the core and has no competitor with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at its core, then that heart when it goes through afflictions, instead of being destroyed, it becomes strengthened. It becomes purified.